and then a really integral part of our college group leading it and then he went to Korea for a little while and then and then came back with a, a wife and a child <laughs> and <laughs> go find a wife and create no just kidding um, and then led house groups and he's just been such an amazing amazing part of this community and so we're really really excited and honored for the ways that you just are always here to serve and love our house so thank you Right. Oh. Uh, happy birthday, Jesus. That's why we're here. Uh, that, that was good enough for me, but can we do it one more time for Jesus? Like, really big? Uh, as you guys already heard, Ryan is, uh, he's actually, I think, really sick. Terribly sick. I was on the phone with him this morning. And Ryan, if you're watching, we are praying for you. We love you. We miss you. We stretch our hands towards that camera, and we pray healing in Jesus' name. Um, but yeah, well, uh, I'm happy and privileged to share just briefly with you guys uh, on Christmas, uh, Christmas service. And I want to share on the subject, uh, what does Jesus want for Christmas? What does Jesus want? for Christmas. So uh, if you have your Bibles with me, uh, if you have your Bibles with you, I have my Bible with me. Uh, I haven't done this in a while, a little bit rusty. Uh, thanks for understanding. I'm in the marketplace right now, <laughs> uh, but I'm still happy to share from the Word with you. Uh, if you have your Bible, yes, that's my daughter crying daddy. Uh, if you have your Bible, please open it up to John 17. If you don't have your Bible with you, uh, how come? No, just kidding. Uh, share with somebody next to you. Uh, it's, you know, it's possible for us to celebrate this whole Christmas season without even stopping to ask that question that I just asked as a subject of my uh, little message today. Like, what does Jesus want for Christmas? I'm going to give you, I'm going to give you a minute, okay? 30 seconds is for you to answer. 30 seconds is for your partner to answer. So pick somebody next to you right now. Look them in the eye. I want you to ask them, what do you think Jesus wants for Christmas? Go. 30 seconds, you, and then 30 seconds for the other person. I heard iPhone. That would not be right. I'm hearing some holy answers. Some people are sharing scripture. Okay. Okay, you got, you got like 10 more seconds. Okay, I think that's about a minute. Um, I think the question of what does Jesus want for Christmas definitely warrants our attention for at least like 15 minutes, right? Uh, for today, and I hopefully, hopefully, this question will occupy your mind uh, throughout Christmas, and that it would be a big part of your Advent experience. I think some of us maybe aren't so familiar with what Advent is. Some of us are because we just celebrated Advent, um, but Advent just means, in the Latin word, coming. 
And so we are just in the, in the beginning, in the commencement of the, the waiting of the coming. And we would be really joining a long tradition of church history by really mentally, emotionally, physically, attentively with our energy trying to participate and link in to the tradition of celebrating Advent. And if you were to anchor your experience of Advent on one question, I would suggest, I would humbly submit to you, anchor it on what does Jesus want for Christmas? Because sometimes it's like, it's so strange because you could, it's like going to somebody on their birthday, you know, and saying, hey, Isaac, for your birthday this year, I want blank, right? Right? If you think about it that way, it's like, hey, Steve, for your birthday this year, I want a, a, a new iPhone, right? If, if, if the birth of Jesus, if the birth of Jesus is really what we're celebrating, if the birth of Christ is really what Christmas is about, then you have to ponder the question, what does he want for Christmas, for his birthday? And so that's what we're going to try to investigate and study for the next maybe 10, 15 minutes. Is that okay? Are you alive? Awake, happy, blessed? Okay, here we go. So we're going to look at John 17. I'm reading from the ESV. And we're going to look at one verse. Actually, a couple verses. So you might be thinking John 17 is not your typical like uh, passage to go to for a Christmas message. Don't worry, we'll get there. We'll get to Luke 2 in a bit. We'll, we'll for sure cover that. Um, but John 17, verse 24 is where I want to begin. John 17, verse 24, it reads, Father, and this is to give you context, I'll be really brief, to give you context, this is Jesus' final prayer and most extended prayer uh, before he gets crucified. And the verses that we're about to read, verses 24 to 26, is the climax of that prayer. So talk about like a peak moment. With that in mind, read verse 24. It says, this is Jesus speaking, Father, I desire that they also whom you have given me may be with me where I am. Why? To see my glory that you have given me because you loved me before the foundation of the world. I want to direct your attention to a few key words of this verse. So Jesus is praying, Father, I desire that they, and he describes, he tells us who he's referring to when he says they, they also, comma, whom you have given me. So Jesus here is praying specifically in direct reference to people that God has given to him or that he's about to die for, right? He's about to restore, that he's about to redeem, you and I, and those of us who are considering it maybe today for the first time. Jesus is praying for you and I, for you and I who have been redeemed and rescued and saved. He says for us to be with him where he is. And you might be thinking, okay, like that's like a nice prayer. Like Jesus wants us to be with him. Oh, that's really nice, you know. But I'm, I'm kind of like, I need to know why. Like I love Jesus. I know he wants to be with me. And I'm sure you like, okay, I get it, Isaac. Like I've heard this message probably before. But have you ever stopped to ask why does Jesus want you to be with him? He answers that right away. He says, I want them to be with me to see my glory. 
Some of us, I think, if we don't understand the connection between that phrase, to see my glory, and his, with his desire for us to be with him, we might even misunderstand Jesus' whole intent in coming to the earth as a baby to die for us and to be, ro- to be raised again, to have us reconcile to him. The whole point of that wasn't because he was lonely. If you think God is lonely, you are sadly mistaken. Let me wake you up a little bit. He's not lonely. He was perfectly satisfied in the Holy Trinity with the Holy Spirit, with the Father. So if you're thinking that God is so needy, so lonely that he went through all of this to have you, we really need to re-examine our theology, right? It says clearly that I want them with me to see my glory. That's a weird way of expressing loneliness. <laughs> That's a strange way to say, oh, I really, I really need you because without you, like, I'm lonely, right? That's a weird way to say that. But if we think about the, the why, the why being answered here as to see my glory, if that's the why, then to me, I think what God is trying to say here is that that's an expression of his concern for our soul's satisfaction. That's an expression of him saying, I, I, God, I can ask for anything right now. Jesus, this is Jesus praying. Father, I pray for this. I pray that these people that I'm about to die for, I pray that they would be with me. And here's why. Because I need them to see my glory. This is what they were created for. But they're going to somewhere else to be satisfied. They're going to other things that won't satisfy. And they're looking for glory. They're, see- they're seeking wonder and amazement, but nothing is fulfilling them. Yeah. Are, are you hearing what I'm saying? So he's saying, I want them to be with me. Why? So that they can see my glory. Why? Because if you see God's glory, if you see God for who he is, if you're really amazed by him, I think you'd be happy. I think you'd be really satisfied. I don't think you would be insecure. I don't think you would be shaken by the circumstances of life. I don't think you would be lukewarm. I don't think you would take your Christianity casually. But the key here is not you just striving and striving and striving and striving. But the key here is Jesus' prayer, his Christmas wish. All I want for Christmas. No, I can't do it as good as Mariah Carey. But he says, all I want, I, what I desire earnestly is that my people that I'm, I paid for, that I purchased with my blood, be with me so that they can see my glory because you were created to see and savor and treasure God for who he is. Like that's what you were created for. That's what I was created for. And he wants you, it's funny, like Jesus is praying his last prayer before he goes to the cross and he does not pray a prayer for him. His Christmas wish is not self-centered or self-absorbed. He wants you to come to him but it's not selfish. It is for his glory, but he knows that he gets the most glory when you are most satisfied in him. Yeah? Yeah? So let me, let, me, let me just say this again. Like, when Jesus says, come to me, I want you to see my glory, it's not because he's some weird, like, he, he, like, he needs you, like, 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 in that way. Like, he's like, I need attention. That's not God. Let's not misconstrue who God is, but let's fully understand Jesus wants you with him 
He desires that more than anything else because he wants you to see him for who he is, savor it, treasure it, and be fully satisfied in him above all. Can I get one amen for that? Okay. So, so if God is not lonely, and if Jesus is truly our source of satisfaction and happiness, right? Jesus is not the best way to happiness. He's the only way to happiness, right? He's the only true source of happiness. It's not, he's not the best above, you know, all these other sources or religions or channels of pathway. He's the only way. Do you really believe that? If you don't, you really have to consider that this Christmas. Like, if you don't think about anything else, like, do I really live like Jesus is the only way to true life and happiness? Your life will show that by the decisions you make, by the choices you make. They're the same thing. <laughs> uh, by the way you spend your time, spend your money, spend your resources. So if we are to treasure Christ by seeing his glory, follow me to that next verse, verse 25 and verse 26. O righteous Father, even though the world does not know you, I know you, and these know that you have sent me. I made known to them your name, and I will continue to make it known that the love with which you have loved me that the love with which you, Father, have loved me may be in them and I in them. Do you know what Jesus is praying right there? Jesus was saying, Father, you know the way you love me, right? The way you love me, can you put that in them? Can you help them see me the way you see me? How do you think the Father sees Jesus? I think, like, he's probably really fond of him. <laughs> I think favorably, yeah. I think the Father loves Jesus. And, and I think this is where I was like, as I was meditating on this, the question of what Jesus wants, this is where I was like, God, I don't think I have the answer. And I, it's not going to be a neat message or a conclusion because you just prayed. You're, ask, you're, you're, you're saying, Jesus, you would, you would prefer that we love you as your people through the love of the Father. That we, that we don't just try in our human capacity and wonder why are we failing? Like why are we struggling all the time? Man, why am I sitting here Sunday after Sunday feeling like, here we go again. I don't feel like I'm you know, loving Jesus the way he wants me to love him. And we fall into this legalistic thing of either we vacillate from legalism of just striving, striving, striving and trying to earn his approval or going, doesn't matter, God's gonna love me anyway. And I just, yeah, just, I'll just count down to, you know, second coming. Like, let's just chill, you know. <laughs> Let me just make sure I'm in the right church or, you know. No, why, why, why do we vacillate between those two? I think, I think it's because we have to remember that our ability to love him comes from seeing his glory. Not looking at our lack of glory, but if you would ask the Lord, like in this Christmas season, don't don't ask him like Jesus, what do you want me to do? Like, or or like Jesus, like who sh who who should I give a present to? Those are great. Those are good questions. You do that. You know, go shopping. Like, but if you would take the time to go, Jesus, can you help me see you? Can you help me see you more, like for who you really are? Because there's no way, I, like, I'm not the smartest person in the world, but I can, t like, if I really see you for, as you are, there's no way that I could be living the way I'm living. Yeah. 
There's no way that I could be not loving or forgiving my brother or my sister. There's no way that I wouldn't joyfully choose to sacrifice and surrender when I'm in full sight and vision of who you are to me and how the Father sees you. Yeah? Can you tell, like, I'm excited about this? I'm like, my prayer is like, God, like, I want to see you. I really want to see you. I don't want to just go through the motions. I really need to see you, and you need to open these eyes because with my just feeble mind there's no way that I can love you the way the father loves you and so let's make that my, my exhortation my encouragement to us is can we make that our prayer this Christmas can we make that God help me love you beyond the love that is just in my human capacity I know it's such a mystery I don't know how to I don't know I don't have five points for you but I think that's where we really if we posture our hearts that way and, and, and give God the all and the wonder that he deserves, right? You know, the devil, the devil wants the all that is due to God. But he's not going to point the light on himself. The devil's going to get your att- attra- attraction and your attention with other things. That doesn't seem like it's from the devil or the enemy. He's not going to be like, look at my ugly horns and look at my, you know. He's going to say, look at all these things that the world can offer you. Look at all the other things that warrant and should get your time and your energy. Instead of that, why don't we try to just posture our hearts and go, Lord Jesus, show me who you are. I want to see you as you are and then love you as you are. I'm almost done. Real quick, let's go to Luke chapter 2. I told you I would go to a Christmas passage. Luke chapter 2. Let's go to verse 8. And this this is where we'll land the plane. Luke chapter 2, verse 8 to 20. Um, I'll just read for us. I'm going to read from verse 8. And in the same region, there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people for unto you is born this day in the city of David David a savior who is Christ the Lord and this will be a sign for you you will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger and suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among these with whom he is pleased when the angels went away from them into heaven the shepherds said to one another, Let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning this child. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it had been told them. Just want to turn your attention to the the scene here that's happening, the shepherds out in the field. If you read the preceding paragraph, Jesus is actually born already. He's born in the manger. Right after that, the camera goes to the field and is spotlighting the shepherds. Oh, I I thought it was up there because you guys were looking up there. The shepherds were out in the field. 
And it says that an angel came to them saying, don't fear. I bring you good news of great joy. Okay? Notice that's one angel. It says an angel came. And then right after that, all of a sudden it says, and suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among these with whom he is pleased. I wanted to bring us and land this little message on this passage because I feel like this captures Jesus's heart. This captures what he wants. It is our great joy and his glory. This is what, this is I think really what I think gets that sweet spot, like makes Jesus go, yes. You notice that the angels come and announce to the shepherds like, I bring you good news of great joy, and that is the gospel. If there's somebody sitting here and you don't know what that good news of great joy is, I welcome you, I invite you to come and speak with one of the people after service to get prayer, and we would love to share the gospel with you. Because it is truly a good news of great joy that Jesus was incarnated as man and took upon your sins and my sins and the judgment and the wrath of God was that, that was due to us. He took that cup, drank it all. He turned it over and said, it is finished. There's nothing left for you and I. He's fully redeemed us. And we now have the ability to be with him and see his glory. That's the good news of great joy. And the final, final mark is that after that announcement is made, the angel, the multitudes come and say, glory to God in the highest. Doesn't it seem kind of like a little random? Like one angel comes and says, good news and great joy. And then boom, like a multitude of angelic hosts come and say, glory, glory, glory to the highest. Like, I think that's a perfect image, a picture of how we are as the ones who are awaiting the second advent, anticipating the second coming of Christ. That's where we ought to live is finding our greatest joy in him and through that giving him the greatest glory that is due to him. Seeing him ever more daily, asking him for his help to love him. Because you know, love for God, it cannot be self-generated. You cannot manufacture that. You first must be radically touched and loved and experiencing that love of God first. And then from there, you'll be able to see his glory and be with him and give Jesus what he wants for Christmas. Amen? Let's pray. Uh, Father God, we thank you so much for causing us to ponder on uh, what I think is an important question. What do you want, Jesus, for Christmas? What will bless your heart? And Lord, we thank you that through your word you reveal to us that you desire for us to be with you so that we can see you in your glory so that we can actually fulfill the purpose for which we were created and that is to just be in awe of you and in worship and so lord i include everyone here lord we ask for a renewing of our minds today father we repent we joyfully repent and we ask would you just change and shift and renew our minds to first seek you and to find you in your glory and to love you not out of our own strength but out of the glorious, supernatural, amazing grace that you provide because you ask for that in your prayer and the Father answers your prayer. All of your prayers for the Father answers. So Lord, we say yes and amen to that. And Lord, we desire to give you what is due to you. Um, in Jesus' name I pray, amen.
Thank you, Isaac. Wow, very powerful. And I think that so much highlights the reflection and remembering of Jesus coming down into history, of Jesus coming down and 